Here at Lady Farmer, we talk about so many different aspects of slow and sustainable living, a subject matter that can at times feel confusing, overwhelming, even misleading. And that's why a few years ago, we set out to write a book that might be a guide for those seeking a life of beauty, simplicity, and sustainability. We're thrilled to be able to offer you our own small guide for cultivating slow living, sustainable simplicity close to home available in our online marketplace. In the book, you've woven an easy-to-digest narrative of stories, recipes, tips, resources, ideas, and reflection. This collection of essays and resources will guide you to think about your own relationship to the planet, what you eat, what you wear, and how you live a sustainable lifestyle. It also contains a 21-day slow-living challenge of daily thought exercises to lead you in the process. For you Good Dirt listeners, we are offering free shipping of this wonderful little book with the code THEGOODDIRT in our online marketplace. So use the code THEGOODDIRT, T-H-E-G-O-O-D-D-I-R-T at checkout when you go to purchase your copy of The Lady Farmer Guide to Slow Living in our online marketplace for free shipping. That's The Good Dirt at The Lady Farmer online marketplace for free shipping on The Lady Farmer Guide to Slow Living. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks, everybody. And so that's what's so interesting to me is the behavior modification that's happening with our phone that I was really seeing like in community structures, talk about expectations, the expectations we have of each other to perfectly perform and present off and online. You're listening to the Good Dirt Podcast. This is a place where we dig into the nitty gritty of sustainable living through food, fashion, and lifestyle. And we're your hosts, Mary and Emma Kingsley, the mother and daughter founder team of Lady Farmer. We're sowing seeds of slow living through our community platform, events, and online marketplace. We started this podcast as a means to share the wealth of information and quality conversations that we're having in our world as we dream up and deliver ways for each of us to live into the new paradigm, one that is regenerative, balanced, and whole. We want to put the microphone in front of the voices that need to be heard the most right now. The farmers, the dreamers, the designers, and the doers. So come cultivate a better world with us. We're so glad you're here. Now, let's dig in. Wasn't yesterday so much fun? Yes, it really was. It was a lot of work, but it was really fun to see you work with the indigo and to problem solve, and it was great to be at the farm. Yeah, we had a real lady farmer day working outside in the dye vats and taking pictures of all the pieces. And we had lots of iced tea breaks and an awesome lunch with all the spring greens and the fresh eggs and cheese. And yum, it was just all so delightful. Yeah, all of this we were preparing for was our Indigo pop-up, which is next week. So next Tuesday and Wednesday, the 25th and 26th only, we're hosting this special event in our online marketplace. Some of you may remember that we did this last year, and it was so fun, and you lucky few of you got in on some of the super limited natural dye stuff that my mom does with her hands, Um, and we're doing it again. All of the items are super limited, and some of the things we honestly only have one of, so really one of a kind, and we will take them down after the sale, so they they won't live in the store. 
like our other products. So make sure that you're signed up for our newsletter so that you know the exact moment the pop-up launches. It'll be sometime Tuesday morning, the 25th. I can't wait for you guys to see all the great things I found thrifting that I dunked in indigo and transformed into all these wonderful one-of-a-kind pieces. And I also did some gorgeous yellow summer scarves, socks, tea towels. I dyed those with marigold because it felt so summery and wanted to usher in the new season with a vibrant color. And I also got adventurous and I dipped a few of the line and toe homesteader skirts in the indigo vat and they turned out great. Um, it took them a few shades deeper than their original light blue. Oh, and speaking of line and toe, we have a very limited amount of the beautiful indigo dyed quilts that were pieced together by the brilliant Grace Bryan, who is the designer of the line and toe. Yes, these quilts are a work of art. I want to keep one for myself, but I also want you to have them. So I've actually been learning to quilt this spring. For my birthday a few months ago, you, my mom, bought me a beginning quilt class with Marley Grace, and it was so wonderful. I, I found out about this class from a friend, thank you, Caitlin, uh, who had also taken it, and um, it's an online I guess it was a four-week Zoom class, and, and we, you know, we learned together live online. She taught us quilting history and some various techniques, and then we would go during the week and, and try things on our own. And um, at the end of it, you didn't have to finish a quilt, but most people had, and I finished an entire quilt in four weeks, which was really amazing and so fun, and I was so proud of myself. So tell us something you took away from this quilting experience. Yeah, I think quilting is so special and beautiful because it incorporates so much of what I think we value as a society or should value, which is like taking scraps of things that might otherwise not be useful, putting them together, creating something like actually warm, like a human necessity, like warm, something to keep you warm. Um, and you can do that with little scrappy pieces and the patterns that you can create, well, you can create any pattern you want, but a lot of them actually have a real history and a language. Quilting was a huge part of communication along the Underground Railroad. And then on a very personal level, if any of you have a quilt in your family that's been passed down, or maybe you've even found it at an antique place or a thrift store quilts just tell stories in and of themselves that are really amazing and to put one together yourself I actually in this particular quilt class wasn't following a pattern it's an improv quilt class which is like a whole other thing that's really cool and you'll hear Marley talk about that in this episode but just letting yourself try different things and make make designs from from just following your intuition um, and the way that things fit together, you don't know how it's all going to work, but then all of a sudden it does and it goes together and it's a really beautiful, warm, useful work of art. So I think quilting's really special and I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to learn from Marley and thank you, mom. It was such a wonderful gift. Oh, you're welcome. I'm so glad that that was a meaningful 
gift for you. And speaking of your quilting instructor, Marley Grace, she is our guest on today's episode. Yes. Marley Grace is a dancer and writer whose work focuses on the self, devotion, ritual, creativity, and art making. Her practice is rooted in improvisation as a compositional form that takes shape in movement videos, books, quilting, online classes, and hosting artists. Grace's Instagram dance project called Personal Practice has been featured in the New York Times, Dance Magazine, Vanity Fair, the Huffington Post, and more. Her most recent book is called Getting to Center, Pathways to Finding Yourself Within the Great Unknown. She has been, and at the time of this recording, currently still is on a social media hiatus. And we address this in our conversation. We've been thinking a lot about our social media and our relationship with it and how it fits into sharing our mission of sowing seeds of slow living. And yeah, we really appreciated the opportunity to have this discussion with her. I'm really excited to share this episode. Uh, I'm always fascinated to talk with artists who make a life out of making things and quilting is so special and I want to spread the word about quilting and encourage anyone to try it. Um, it's actually at the root is quite simple. Sewing pieces of fabric together and then sewing them together and then sewing them together again <laughs> and it, creating a really beautiful thing out of things that might not otherwise have use. And as we all know, our own creativity and our nurturing of it is the good dirt. So welcome to Marley Grace and enjoy this conversation. <laughs> Emma and Mary, thank you so much for having me today. I, my name is Marley Grace. I'm a dancer. I'm a writer. I'm a quilt maker. Uh, for the last year, I was a community radio show host, which felt like an important part of my identity I'm really missing right now. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, the thing I have the most uh, maybe knowledge in is dance as, as, a, as a practice, as an improvisational practice. That's what I, um, I grew up dancing and I have a BFA in dance and I love to dance and uh yeah and today you know I you know I feel like I have an art practice and a career and they sort of intertwine with each other um in terms of th that would mean I make money sometimes and sometimes I don't from those things and yeah my career at this point is mostly writing books and, t and teaching online courses mostly about quilting but also um, I definitely teach others, artists, and small business owners skills that I have acquired myself. So. Yay! I didn't realize that you had a BFA in dance and that you're such a primarily that I wouldn't. I was not expecting you to introduce yourself as a dancer. Well, I think that's interesting because I joke actually that dance is the thing I have the most like. It's the thing I have the most, you know, it's the thing I have an actual college degree in. It's the thing that has landed me in the New York Times, Dance Magazine, Vanity Fair, um, the Huffington Post, the New York Times Magazine, and I make approximately zero dollars at it per year. So it's, you know, my dance practice is completely what informs my quilting practice and my writing practice. That is, that is really interesting what, you know, what you just said about this, your main thing, your, your main mode of expression or what you would consider your primary mode of expression is not the thing that makes you a living. I think that's really um, 
relevant for these days when our economy is really changing and people are looking around for like, what am I going to do next? And yeah. um, I just think that's interesting. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about dance because I'm also a dancer, Marley. <laughs> I would say I don't have a degree in it, but I, I grew up dancing high school dance team. Oh. Um, <laughs> like lots of nutcrackers. I believe I've performed the nutcracker over 180 times. I counted at one point, but yeah, age eight to 18. So like ballerina, you're a ballerina. I grew up as a ballerina with the Grand Rapids Ballet Company. And then mm-hmm. my degree is from the University of Michigan. So it's it's a modern uh, and improvisational dance program. I bet you were Clara. I actually was never Clara. That's actually a great example of what I, tr- I think those who aren't Clara turn out a very specific way. And were you Clara, Emma? No. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We turn out a different way than those who are Clara, I think. It, the whole Clara, Clara thing is like a phenomenon. I was Clara's nanny. I was Same. Nanny. I was a maid. <laughs> Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> this is so, kind- this is so kindred. I did not expect this. <laughs> only, only dancers know what this is. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I know. Uh, but I bet more people than we think might have been childhood ballerinas. So maybe they do know. About yeah. <laughs> and so I have actually only, cause I did grow up as now be ballerina and in college I did, I did not like dance officially, but we did have like a student run program and I did a lot of choreography. I did not do any ballet choreography, but that was kind of where I was like, oh, it's fun to dance barefoot. And I guess I'll take some of that like modern, like, you know, Duncan training Mm -hmm. that I had growing up and I choreographed a lot and that was like the most fun I've ever had. And now mostly I dance for musical theater, but it's only been recently that um, I have even heard about improvisational dancing. Yeah. So can you tell me, I mean, this is totally selfish personal, but I want to hear about that. (laughs) I'm happy to share with you. Um, You know, it's so interesting because, and you know, we talk about this in quilting class a little bit that I think some people think improvising is like means random or it means just like winging it. Um, And I do think that, (laughs) that that's not totally wrong. I think that's part of it, but you know, improvising, I think, you know, definitely in quilting, but especially in dance is a technique of its own. It's like its own thing to be studied. um, That really has to do with like compositional choice making. So my college professor, Amy Chavas was taught improvisation. She introduced me to these four women. There's now five of them um, in a collective called the architects and they've been practicing together for like 20 years. And so they teach a yearly summer intensive called Michi, which stands for the movement intensive in compositional improvisation. And, you know, I started working with them in 2012 and they remain my dance mentors today. And yeah, it's, it's a lot about, um, you know, asking questions of like when to go in, when to remove yourself, when to do the same movement over and over and over, when to slow down. It's like, you're asking yourself a lot of these questions. And a lot of the people who engage in that work come from traditional sort of modern dance backgrounds. A lot of them have BFAs or professors themselves. And a lot of people are just movers, people who don't identify with having like the training or the capital D dancer. You know, I'm on my social media holiday until mid-May. So you can't find what I'm about to tell you about. But I 
for five years have had this Instagram feed called personal practice. And so it slowly accumulated tens of thousands of followers who wanted to watch me make these dance videos, which is what landed me all this really interesting press. I think people were kind of like, wow, what a phenomenon that this person is, is so witnessed by so many people. And I think yeah, that's kind of where my dance practice has lived. And so it's been interesting the last couple of months to not have that container mm. to put dance videos. And then I choreograph and and make music videos with people mostly is when it if it ever turns into a job, that's sometimes where the job part of it lives. But yeah. That's amazing. And and I was also gonna ask, because you refer you called it a dance practice few minutes ago as well. And that's, I don't hear that term a lot either. And um, can you tell us a little bit about what you mean by dance practice? Yeah. You know, I think that's part of why I called the project personal practice and not like personal performance. Getting to Center, which is the book I put out last year and in, in the online class I'm teaching right now, I, I definitely, and any online class I'm teaching, I definitely like invite students and readers to think about like, what are you practicing? Like, what is it that you're, to me, what you're practicing is maybe what you're paying attention to. Right now I'm practicing skiing. <laughs> it's like whatever you are, yeah, showing up for maybe is, is another way to put it. And I think for me, keeping things a practice means that they, they don't finish. And I think that that has felt really important to me is um, I think capitalism and Instagram a little bit like Instagram really is the performance of the finished thing. And it's the performance of the in progress thing. But when you make it into a post, you're completing a cycle, you're finishing something, you're finishing how you show it. And so and I do that with personal practice. I'm like, here's a video. It has a beginning, middle, and end. Um, but it's really like a snippet of the practice. So yeah, those are kind of the, some questions, maybe more questions than anything else. But The idea of practice is so interesting because you hear about, you know, yoga practice, meditation practice, and we, we speak of practice in terms of something that enhances mindfulness or teaches us mindfulness. And, you know, what does that mean? That means you know, being in the moment and like being where you are and all that. So the, the idea of dancing or any kind of art, I think as a practice, as opposed to performance or getting ready for a performance or kind of trying to perfect something is really kind of a, a different angle on it. Um, whereas it's more of a, it's more of a private thing. It's not maybe, um, intended for, for, you know, for public sharing, or if it is, it's, it's shared in a different kind of way. So, um, I just really enjoy that way of thinking about it. You know, you hear people that have like an art practice, like they'll do a drawing a day or write a poem a day or something like that. And it's not with the intention of becoming a famous artist or writer. It's just, a, it's an exercise. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I started the first year I made personal practice. I did it every single day. I made a video every single day and the reason I did that is I was staying at my brother's house in Philly uh, and Sam is a musician and he has like scrawling handwriting. Like he's <laughs> almost 30 and it looks like a child writes it. Um, he wrote in his handwriting, just sing a song every day and had it like taped yeah. to his wall. 
And I loved that because I think that same year, his album like got a five-star review in Rolling Stone magazine and was like, you know, you know, on all these year end lists. And his goal was never that his goal was just sing a song every day. And I really feel that with personal practice more than any part of my career is my only goal was to dance every day. It wasn't to get better at dancing. It wasn't to be in the New York times. It wasn't to have fancy people interview me. It wasn't to have celebrities love my dance videos. It was just to dance every day. And so it is really interesting to think of some of the other spots in my career that maybe haven't been as publicly noticed and what my intentions have been with them has been to perform and to finish and to do great and generally when my expectations are so high it doesn't really work out so good I mean it's fine I think people show up I think people read my books so it seems but I can't I can't help but notice not in a self-deprecating way to be like "Mm, yeah and my it's a job. I get paid a nice check from a publisher. I write a book, I put it out. I've got some expectations around it. And I think that's what has also kept my dance practice so pure is because there isn't that exchange of money. It really keeps my expectations really low. You have something in you that wants to be expressed or performed or produced or whatever, and you just do it without the expectation of the outcome. And it it's so much less stressful and anxiety provoking if you could just get yourself in the space and doing doing this just to do it. Like also like kind of like taking out the ego part of it, which is like the mm, whole point, right? Yeah. Like I feel like once you do that, that means you're like really doing it. Yeah. It's so much harder said than done. It's really hard to do it that way. Yeah, it is. Sort of on the same subject. What does your personal practice, dance practice look like now without that Instagram container? it almost makes me like physically sick to have to be like, it's not really here right now. Um, you know, which is interesting because granted, like we put everything in storage, we moved, we're living in this small area. Um, but yeah, it's really, I mean, I, I considered when I was deactivating Instagram, not deactivating and I don't, um, experience an addiction with that feed in the way that I deeply have a problem with the other parts of of social media. Personal practice is like, I'm so detached from anyone's reaction to it. I truly make my video, log in, post it and exit. And then sometimes, and then see the comments maybe the next time I post a week later. And so I, I did think that in this time away, maybe some new things would emerge in terms of like, I was like, well, I'm going to have to find something to replace it. Um, And I haven't. This is like the blessing and the curse of working in so many different mediums. It's like, well, a lot of times when I'm dancing a lot, I don't make and finish quilts. And I've made and finished a few quilts in the last few months. I've taught, I've launched this whole other class. I'm working, starting to work on a new book. And so, yeah, I am suffering right now from the like, I'm doing too much slash I don't have enough time to do everything I want to do. Um, so it was actually just last night I was looking at my Jackie, my significant other. And I was like, Oh no, I have not been dancing. You know, I've been skiing. Skiing is my dancing. Skiing is my dancing right now. Um, but yeah, I do miss dancing and miss sharing dancing. So it's, it's, there's no answer, but it's on my mind. Well, maybe that's your answer. Like, you know, you've taken a break from it and it took a sabbatical and (laughs) then it like, it sort of focuses its meaning to you. I love that. 
So tell us about the rest of the sabbatical. And um, I'm really particularly interested in like, what was the reason you left um, and kind of the intentions behind it and the good and the bad stuff. Just a quick interruption here to tell you about something we love here at Lady Farmer. Is it just me or does anyone else ever get depressed at the amount of plastic in your bathroom? I know that's kind of weird, but if you're like us at Lady Farmer, actually, if you're listening to this podcast, I imagine you've thought once or twice about the amount of plastic in your house and just what feels like it's unavoidable. Um, A big one is shower products and bathroom products in general. It's really hard to find things in glass jars, reusable jars. Let me tell you, we found plain products about four years ago, actually, pretty early on when we were starting Lady Farmer. And I haven't used anything else since on my hair. It's really the best shampoo and conditioner. I love it. It smells so good. It's all non-toxic and free of parabens and sulfates and all that stuff. It works really well. It leaves my hair so soft and smooth and silky shiny and smells so good. Did I mention I use the rosemary mint vanilla? They also have a citrus lavender flavor. And since they launched a few years ago, they also have a face wash, a moisturizing lotion. They have travel sizes of all of their stuff so you can bring them on the road. And the best part is there's no plastic. There's a reusable pump that you use to get it out of the bottle, but that makes it last longer. So I only get mine refilled like a few times a year. It lasts me several months. And when you're done with the bottle, you simply send it back. They've given you a return label so you don't pay shipping and they send you a new fresh bottle of shampoo and conditioner or just shampoo if that's your jam. Anyways, we love plain products at Lady Farmer and we are so excited to offer you 20% off your next purchase of plain products. That's P-L-A-I-N-E products with the code Lady Farmer at checkout. Plain products with the code Lady Farmer at checkout. Enjoy 20% off and your plastic free shower. Now back to Marley. Yeah, so gosh, where do I begin? So uh, I <laughs> I was born in 1988. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so I, I came out of the womb an addict. Um, no, but really, you know, I, you know, God willing, this May, I'll will be 10 years of being sober. And I, gosh, when I use Instagram, it just really reminds me of my drinking. I can't really seem to put it down. As soon as I pick it up, there's no, um, there's no timer. There's no app moments. There's no, um, there's nothing that can really stop me, you know, from going for hours, you know, in the app. Um, I don't really suffer from a compare and despair situation. I don't really have that kind of problem with it. I, maybe I did at some point. I don't really know. I think I like myself fine. Um, but I noticed that not only could I put it down, it there also was part of me that was like addicted to the chaos. I love an attention loop. I love the drama, you know. I think this is maybe my first time publicly admitting that. I'm like, I'm like oh, this person hates this person. I'm going to go down every 
rabbit hole to find out why. <laughs> and then I'm going to study it so that I never publicly behave that way and make a similar mistake. I'm so glad you said that because I have very recently <sighs> noticed the same thing about myself. Like the whole Bachelor thing. I do not watch Bachelor. I don't care about Bachelor. I don't even know if you know what I'm talking I about. Am a, I, am a, I am part of Bachelor Nation. I am an okay. Bachelor watcher. So continue. So you know what I'm talking about. And as someone do. who does not know, but I know I saw someone commenting. So of course I've watched the Chris Harrison interview. Of course, Absolutely. like now and now Absolutely. I've read all of the comments on. Of course, but, but on that that isolated the most dramatic. Mm. Like I I don't I don't need to go back and watch Bachelor. I just needed to find all of the worst, most chaotic, most dramatic things yeah. and read about them. Yeah. Well, and you know, that's the bachelor is at least a couple degrees of separation away from us. Hypothetically, maybe some of you are some listeners, maybe friends with members of bachelor nation. I don't know. Um, but when it starts to be closer, when the threads are even closer to you in your own community, the swirling loops, it's easy to get kind of caught in. And I think I just, if I may sound like a soft little flower, I didn't really like the way people were talking to each other anymore. And I was like, this is a bad place where people are simply mean to each other and aren't really rooting for each other. Everybody's kind of waiting for somebody to fall and then waiting to study that fall to make sure they don't do it themselves. Mm -hmm. And that is so, that kind of hypervigilance it was so distracting from my own life. And I will say that 70 plus days away from that is absolutely the greatest gift I've ever given myself. And so, yeah, I couldn't put it down. Um, I think I was also really curious, you know, I'm curious about, it's so interesting that we, that people who are like the greatest and I don't mean this in a judgmental way. I put myself in these categories. Um, radical artists, queer people, the, the social justice, you know, experts, authors, activists on the front lines. We use Instagram hour after hour, day after day, when Instagram is just it's a company that makes people billionaires because they're stealing and selling our attention. And I talk a lot about this point. It's like, they're actually not stealing it. They're just taking it because we are consenting. We're opting in. Um, and so that's, what's so interesting to me is the behavior modification that's happening with our behavior in our phone that I was really seeing, like, this is completely modifying our behavior as in community structures, um, talk about expectations, the expectations we have of each other to perfectly perform and present off and online. And so, yeah, I was like, I don't really want to be there and I don't want to just log off. I just don't want to be there at all. So I totally deactivated and, um, yeah, rules. Yes. So I, I've been wondering about this myself as well. Um, so it, you know, when you are involved in it and it takes so much time and energy and um, does it really do what we tell ourselves it does? Does that make sense? Yeah. Does it really help business? Does it really create interest or is it just an insatiable hunger out there for people just scrolling? I mean, does it really mean anything? Woo, Mary, I mean, does it really anything. I mean, well, here's the thing I'm excited to, I shared this, um, 
a little bit with my, I have a Patreon and I shared it just a little bit there this morning. So I have an email list that I've been growing for years and it's not small, but it's not huge. And I just launched a new online class that encourages other artists, small business owners to teach their own online class. And with totally deactivated from Instagram, it was my highest online class launch I've ever had. Couldn't help but ask myself the question of what in the literal F-U-C-K have I been doing using Instagram so much? That's This is such a timely, timely conversation as so often they are. And, you know, there's this, as you know, uh, this pressure and expectation to like, you know, put up, produce, be out there. And um, it feels like an obligation. And I've just very recently been asking myself, why? Why? What if we, what if we just told our audience, we're going to communicate with you directly now. Um, please tell your friends. And like, you just had the experience, you know, you had the best launch ever for a course. I think it, in our case, we've been afraid to experiment with that sort of thing. Like, you know, things would fall flat or, or whatever, and they might still, I don't know. I really, I'm, I really don't know what role social media plays in creating our community. I, I don't either. I, th I mean, I think that that's where I had that same question. I, I really wanted during the sabbatical to, to launch a new online class to test it. I was, you know, and I was like, maybe mm -hmm. five people will sign up. I have no idea. I have yeah. no concept of how many people come from Instagram. And again, the last time I sold like a pre-recorded course with unlimited signups was a year ago. So my email list is bigger, which means someone asked me, they were like, well, don't you think it would have been even bigger if you would have had Instagram and posted? And I paused to be like, maybe not because I was like thinking of all the things I've done in the last 70 days, like chipped away at my debt, worked on a new book, made quilts, taught quilt class, learned to ski, took my dog for walks, finished two books. I haven't finished a book in like years. Like, you know, just kind of all of these things that I'm like, I don't, how much of it is like my mindset being open to receiving that kind of money launching the class and where is that mindset because of not being on Instagram? Where did I get more creative in marketing? Where did I get more personal? I reached out to a couple friends to be like, will you share this with people? I think that's part of what got signups. I think in general, it's not doing what we think it's doing. And I think we put a lot of expectation in certain things like, like the follower count and like, we, I don't know. I think we just, we put a lot of eggs in that basket and it's like maybe like, a little of it is relevant and true somewhat, but like most of it is not. And most of it is actually kind of under the surface, surface like this iceberg of a lot of things we actually don't want kind of that you discovered and are right now experiencing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something I talk a lot about is like, it's really nuanced. I'm not, I'm staring at this book, the like 10 arguments for deleting your social media accounts right now. And it's like, yeah, this is written by a man who's a multimillionaire because he invented some tech thing a long time ago. It's not like, um, and it's a great book, but <laughs> what I'm saying is like, there's a lot of 
I think especially in a year of quarantine, in a, in a year of what I think was um, so important for racial justice and the uprising that we saw across, you know, the United States, I think, um, you know, the light that was shown on the movement for Black lives that had been, has been happening for years and years, I mean, re- truly for centuries, but really that movement specifically for years, so many people being like, oh, my bad, this is happening, was because of Instagram, was because of a free resource that the most marginalized people can use to spread their message to other marginalized people who are isolated and alone in their homes. That is amazing. That's a miracle and that's magic. And I think it completely fucks us up and makes us more isolated and more disturbed and more obsessed and more alone. And so I don't know. I, I don't really know, but it's scary to me either way. And this is what this is what hopefully the deactivation break has given me is like I don't want to even be in there. So maybe that is being healed. But like when Isabel was posting for me, I was still like looking opening up safari and going to instagram.com slash marley grace to see what the response was like what's the response and it really brings in that hyper vigilance of like i trust myself to make mistakes publicly i don't know if i trust other people to witness me in that way so it's like yeah the hyper vigilance of like did i say that right do people have an opinion has someone said i'm a terrible person and no one should talk to me ever again like and um I don't think I'm a terrible person. I think I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a forever learner and I don't mind making mistakes publicly. I think that's part of dismantling white supremacy and living in a patriarchy is being willing to be messy publicly. And I don't think people are nice about that. And I don't really like that. So I don't really want to go there. Maybe I'll turn all the comments off. That'll really piss everybody off. And I don't really care. Like, I think that's where people have made up rules for how we should, I'm doing air quotes for you listening, for how we should do Instagram. And that's where I'm like, again, jokes on you while the people become billionaires. Watching us, watching us be addicted to the loop, comment all you want. And I will be out skiing and saving the planet with my online services. Goodbye. (laughs) That's what I think, Emma. Preach. I love it. I love that. I'm going to go back and listen to this when I'm feeling down. Me too. Me too. I'm going to go back and listen to it if I'm in the K-hole of Instagram. Be like, what did I say? And I do the the thing where I get on and see how did this post do today? And then I'm, and then I'm in there and I'm, it's, it's awful. And it, 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 it makes... I can physically feel it somewhere in the center of my body. I don't know what that's about, but I can, I can feel it. Yeah. I, it yeah. feels bad. It's a bad feeling right in the middle. Yeah. Sounds about right. Isn't that sad that we so bad. keep doing something that feels bad right in the middle of our body just every day? Well, okay. Marley. Marley, I love taking my improvisational quilting class with you I guess your class I had a wonderful experience I'm so proud of the quilt that I made um we talked about it at the last class but um and I get a little teary thinking about it but it's really hard to like be proud of yourself about stuff uh, for me yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. hardly ever proud of myself and I'm really proud of that quilt um so could you tell us a little bit about how you got into this beautiful art and what it means to you 
Yeah, in 2013, this is kind of part of the like how I got to where I am today. So my first business endeavor was I owned a shop gallery and artist residency in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I'm from called Have Company that I ran from 2012 to 2016. And one of my first residents was my dear friend, Eliza Fernand, who is an amazing quilter. And she taught a quilting class and I was just completely obsessed. Um, and to me, it was really like an opportunity to make sort of usable objects with my dance practice. Like I got to apply my dance practice to this thing that I was like, wow, I can like make this finished object. Um, and so, yeah, I've been quilting on and off ever since. And I've always um, taught quilt class in real life when I'm traveling and people start asking for it online. And it's sort of a classic case of like, as quarantine and COVID-19 began, I was like, hmm, everybody's got a sewing machine because they love to make masks and they're all home alone and they probably want to make a quilt. And so, yeah, I figured out how to teach it online and it is hands down my favorite thing I think I've ever done in my career. It's my favorite thing to teach. I love teaching to a smaller group. Um, I love, it roots me in my own practice of quilt making. It has, it has required me to go deeper into the complicated and beautiful history, history of cotton in, in America and the quilt and why the quilt is the way it is today. And, um, I love teaching with Christy. I love seeing everybody's quilts. I love people being proud of themselves. And yeah, I think it's the greatest online class on earth. And I <laughs> said it here first, people. Absolutely. I will, what's it called? Endorse. Endorse by Thank you. Emma. Appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. So Marley, like what, in, what inspires you and what encourages you and what do you look out on the world every day and say, wow, that makes me want to keep going. Oh my God, Mary. <laughs> Just got me really curious. I mean, really people. I would say other sober people and other gay people. A lot of, like my first thought was like gay people. <laughs> gay people make me want to keep going. We were, we are, um, Jackie and I are watching um, this. We watch this. We love reality dating television. As I mentioned, um, love The Bachelor. <laughs> And we've been watching the show, Are You the One? And Are You the One is an MTV reality dating show. And they have a queer season, which we're watching now, where everyone is like sexually fluid. So, so everyone is like bi or pan. And it's, it's, it's so amazing. And I didn't expect this, but we started it yesterday and I got really, I'm going to get teary-eyed talking. I got really emotional. I think I was like, wow, we never see ourselves on reality dating shows. Like, I mean, The Bachelor is truly the straightest television show in the history of all time. And so um, maybe not Bachelor in Paradise. I've actually heard that gets a little <laughs> queer. Um, I have not watched yet. But um, yeah, I think, you know, I watched this beautiful, this um, photographer, Jeb, Joan O'Brien, just re-released a book called Eye to Eye Portraits of Lesbians. And it was this book that I think was like, uh, came out in maybe the 70s and it's like re-released now. She's in, she's in her 70s. She's like 77. And I just watched an interview with her and you know, she really just talks about us being like a, a living legacy. Like we, we have to document ourselves and show ourselves, you know, for the people who are like coming 
behind us, you know, on the journey. So, you know, I think really rooting into queer history really keeps me inspired and seeing what queer people are doing now. And yeah, you know, I'm a part of different, you know, recovery communities. And I think other sober people staying sober keeps me, it was, it was interesting, actually, a, this is so sad, but a cast member on one of the seasons we watched of Are You the One, I was like Googling about them and she was sober and, but died of an overdose. And it like, it like really impacted me to be like, whoa, we just watched this like funny show where everyone's wasted the whole time. And then she like finds sobriety, but she died. And, you know, I really think about the alcoholic who is still suffering. And that's part of why I try to stay sober. Um, and, and just other artists, just people. I mean, that's why I love teaching. I love what Emma just said about being proud of herself. I mean, that is part of what keeps me going because I know that wound so well. And I love that I get to like walk other people through. I mean, just yesterday when my online class hit, like surpassed the most amount of money I've ever made from teaching online, I immediately found something else to hate myself for. I couldn't even be proud of my, for like two minutes, I was like, I did it. And then I was like, nobody responded to that. <laughs> like, I just was like, whoa, like it's so fast that I'm like, I will feel it. And then I will exit it as soon as possible. And it's tricky. That's part of what like is my um, motor. It like keeps me going <laughs> to sort of be in that questioning space. But um, yeah, I would say gay people, sober people, artists, and my students keep me inspired and keep me going. That's great. That's so wonderful. I love all of that. Community. What's the best, this is, this is a bonus question I'm just throwing in here, but what's, um, what's like the best favorite book you've read? Like the last one most recently right now I'm in I'm in the middle of I'm actually listening to it parable mm -hmm. of the sower by Octavia E Butler which is my first time going into science fiction I think I thought science fiction meant aliens and I feel very humbled that it's like just dystopian realities and it's so good it's really sad because it's basically about the future which is now um and so I've had to take a break yeah, that's, that's what, but that's what I'm reading right now. And I really love it. I really love listening. Um, what's on my, well, I've been reading, um, the freedom quilting bee, oh, yeah. which is a beautiful book. That's the one Tracy told us about Emma, isn't yeah, it? Do you know about acres of ancestry, Marley? No, let me get my friend out here. Uh, that is an Instagram account worth a follow because it's so in depth, but their website's also great. Um, Tracy McCurdy is based in Washington, D.C. She's like a lawyer with the Black Belt Justice Center. And she recently, I guess like just in the past couple of years, they've started this like collective called Acres of Ancestry. And they have like a um, Black Farmers Justice Act fund going. Cool. Um, and they're really committed to like collecting the stories of, of quilts and stuff. And yeah, she told us about that book. And we had her speak at our retreat. That book's hard to find. It is hard to find. How'd you, where'd you find it? It's, it's like out of print and stuff. Or, or am I wrong about that? Sadly, it's um, expensive and out of yeah. print, um, yeah. which is too bad. It, it, it's actually so sad that this and um, this book, the, um, the big Quilts of G's Ben book, it's like almost every book about the quilts of G's Bend, about the Freedom Quilting Bee are really rare and really hard to get. They're like art, they're like coffee table art books. 
when she told us about that book, I remember I thought, I want to read that book. And it was like, I don't know, it was like 50 or $60 or something. Yeah. So I, you know, I didn't buy it right away. Yeah. But, you know, someday I'll track it down. But So, Marley, at Lady Farmer, we are pretty much, I mean, we've been a lot of things over the past few years and we dub our toe in a lot of stuff. But the main through line here is slow living. We always come back to slow living and tie it to sustainable living and how can we how can we live into this like regenerative paradigm and all of those things and and we have found ways to express that in a lot of different ways um and for us particularly my mom and I because we are both artistically inclined in different ways um we think a huge part of that is through art and so that's part of why we want to talk to you today so I'm interested in your thoughts about slow living, I don't know if I've ever heard you talk about it or mention it or what you think of the term or the words or what it means to you, but I'd love to just hear you tell us about what you think about slow living. This is a great question for me as someone who does not identify as like a slow living person. I think, um, I mean, it's funny that I make quilts. I guess that's about the slowest slow living thing that I do, but I think otherwise I'm like a really fast mover like I you know what I mean I think when I think slow living I literally am like you're milking a cow you're making a quilt you're like planting your seeds for the spring you're in your clawfoot bathtub in your barn I'm not really sure I I mean I'm like obviously being as stereotypical as possible where I'm over here like your hashtag cottage court yeah exactly cottage court where I'm like listening to Justin Bieber <laughs> as loud as possible, eating Oreos and <laughs> maybe ex- doing an exercise video. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not quite, I'm not like, I, I'm a little like <laughs> chaos living over here. I I'm not. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I, uh, it, it is really interesting to be in partnership with someone whose career and like interests are really different than mine in terms of Jackie being a wildland firefighter and going back to school for natural resources. I think she has brought into our partnership a lot of questions about how our actions sort of impact the earth, which has been helpful to me. We've been just talking a little bit about eating a little less meat and our carbon footprint and, you know, some basic things like that, that maybe remind me a little bit of slow living. It's funny because when I feel slow living, I'm triggered by, by some kind of like lack of urgency. Like I think so much about, um, that duality of like, there's so much to do. And if we go too quickly, we're going to burn out. And when I think of like the stereotype of slow living, I'm a little looking at my watch. Like, can you get to work on the tasks at hand of saving the world and the people in it? You know, it's so, I'm, I love that question. I'm, I'm challenged in a good way. So. Yeah. That's funny. I don't know if I've ever like admitted this super publicly, but I really relate to that actually, Marley. And as some, and I, that's a little bit of an in, inner turmoil because I, with the brand and with everything we do, we promote still living, but I do most of the time, I really have to fight for that, like slowing down. And I have to remind myself to be that way because I similarly uh, just have a million things going all the time. I think that's the case for most people. And that's why we talk about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I would argue actually that the idea of anything, of practicing anything and that you are one of the more 
you know, someone that I think of when I think of someone with personal practice, your dance practice and your quilt practice and even writing. I think all of those, I mean, you have, you have to be slow in some of it. Mm -hmm. Like it it just Mm -hmm. is slow. You can't, you can't do those things quickly. You can't, um, and you have to be present with them. Um, so I would argue that you actually are really good at so living, Marley. Thank you so much. Yes. And I'd like to add to that, that I think anytime we are attending to our creativity and all humans are creative, uh, you know, when people say, oh, I'm not creative, that's, that's just so wrong. Like it's just part of being human to be creative. You're wrong. You're wrong. And <laughs> <laughs> so if, if you're doing anything to attend to your creativity, such as the dancing, the writing, the quilting, anything to allow that part of yourself that wants to move creation forward because that's what we're doing when we're being creative we're tending to our creativity we are helping to create the world hopefully in a good way Mm. um and i think most people are um that is slow living to me so you're an an excellent example of slow living marley thank you even knowing it and it does it doesn't really have to do with speed i guess it's kind of a misnomer slow you know it's it's not about speed it's just it might just be more like presence presence or mindfulness i like that and also with backing taking a step back from all the the things that are happening around us so so quickly you know like sort of stepping out of the fast lane so that you can attend to where you are and and do what you're here to do i you know that might be another way of looking at it instead of just oh let's sit back and put our feet up and which can be a part of it but that's certainly not all of it well the thing that's so interesting thinking about slow lip maybe this is not i don't have a resentment but i my my judgment call or something (laughs) is like i mean being deactivated from instagram is absolutely the slowest living I've ever done and so I think what has always been me I'm like I'm a little bit I'm always a little like of like the slow living with the incredible Instagram feeds like the and the ads yeah (laughs) the influencer ads on Instagram about slow living I think that's where I'm like we're just a little bit sheep with the eyes closed or whatever of like wow you're gonna like I'm, it's when I just said sheep. I'm literally, I don't even know whose Instagram feed I'm picturing, but I'm like picturing the like girl in her dress and she's with her sheep, but she obviously set her tripod up with her iPhone to show mm-hmm. us. And if you go to wool.com and type in the code low living Stacy, you get 10% off. I don't know. You know, I don't we really don't want to sound like an <laughs> asshole, but that's when I think of slow living, that's literally what I think of. I'm like, cool. You like did a great job performing your life for us. That really is slow, but yeah. you're on the app all the time. Yeah. I, that's so, thank you so much for saying that. I think that's exactly what you described as the root of a lot of our own, like Thanks. angst with Instagram and marketing and, and how do we talk <sighs> about this and how do, how do we talk yes. about this market it and create this community and also practice and it. Practice it. And practice it. Here's another question we always ask our, our guests, and it's really great. We get so many awesome answers, but what does good dirt mean to you? And you can answer that either literally or metaphorically or just what do you, what is the good dirt to you? Wow. I'm so glad to be on the good dirt. Well, what I'll say is, you know, we just moved from 
the desert to the forest. And the second we got here and we're driving and saw trees, I think both Jackie and I's nervous systems were just like, thank God. So I guess when I think of good dirt, I just think of soil and that I really need to live in a climate with like soil and trees. I can't live in like a desert. That's what I think of when I think of good dirt. What is the thing that you would like the world or our audience, the listening audience, to most understand about the work that you do? Wow, that is an absolutely gorgeous question. Um, You know, I think that I take the work really seriously and I don't take myself seriously. I think that's what is really important to me and everything that I do and how I show up is like, I think that's what being off Instagram has taught me. Like it's just, and like falling down on the side of a mountain a lot learning to ski has helped me with that also it's like there's a lot of serious work to do and we in the in the joy and the hobbies and the pleasure we have to like not take those so seriously so that we can kind of bring some of that brevity to the work so I guess that's what I most want people to know so inspiring thank you thank you for asking I love that point that we can we can be serious about what we're doing without taking ourselves so seriously that it gets in the way exactly Oh, when I take myself so seriously, it gets deeply in the way. Yes. And it, and you know what? I think that ties so well into everything we've been talking about, the whole social media thing. It's a wonderful um, way of kind of coming back where we started. So Marley, anything else you would like to say or add or just anything? Yeah, of course. People can find me at marleygrace.space. If you go to marleygrace.space, dot space slash home that's where you can find all the links to all the things you can become a member of my patreon you can take my quilt class which i'm sure will be happening at some point when you listen to this send me an email if i'm on instagram it's marley grace or personal practice and who knows who knows if we don't know we don't know that's kind of fun it is kind of fun i might be there i might not be We, we don't know where i'll be which i love Thank you so much. This is so wonderful, Marley. Thank you, Marley. Thanks so much. It was a really fun conversation. Thank you, Mary. And thank you, Emma. This I love the mother-daughter duo. It was absolutely so lovely to be a part of it. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Marley. And thanks to all of you for tuning into this conversation. Like we've said before, creativity and slow living are so interconnected for us at Lady Farmer. It's true. And with that, we are actually kind of ramping up our workshop offerings. Um, As you may have seen, we had a kefir workshop this week that was so fun. And we have a natural dyeing intensive that kind of goes along with our pop-up next week, the theme. But we're going to be doing our own natural dyeing intensive in June. That takes place June 19th. Tickets will go on sale soon. So keep a lookout for those. And this is going to be a kind of a, a really special workshop intensive. Um, Mom, do you want to tell them a little bit more about it? Yes. It's going to be a full afternoon intensive on the eve of the summer solstice, during which we're going to explore our connection with the seasons through a simple bundle dyeing activity using flower blossoms that we foraged. We're going to have an overview of natural dyes combined with mindful movement and meditation. It's going to be a real special experience, and I hope you'll join us. Yeah, so stay tuned for more details on that. And uh, included in your registration comes a piece of 
pre-treated for to, in order to take your dye better um, fabric. We're actually using bandanas. Um, so that's fun. You get a little treat from it too. And we hope that you will join us for that. So stay tuned for more details on that and enjoy your week. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody.